0: Well, it's been a glorious day here in the northwest of the UK. I'm pretty sure it's been pretty nice where you are too. Temperatures around 17, 18 degrees here in Salford. And it's promised to uh, go as high as around 20 tomorrow. An Indian spring we're having. No, there's no such thing. A spring has sprung. It's lovely. Welcome to Tuesday's Richie Allen Radio Show. David Curtin, the teacher, the politician, the broadcaster. Very, very bright guy. Always well briefed. David will join me this hour for a chat. Well, we'll run down some of the biggest news stories. We'll get some of his opinions. Uh, always interesting, as I said. And a little bit shortly after that, I'll be taking your phone calls. Yes, I should have mentioned this on social media, but I'm not really on social media, you know?
1: Uncensored, unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show.
0: Not anymore, anymore I'll be with today's. It's the Richie Allen Show,
2: broadcasting live on RichieAllen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host,
0: Richie Allen. And as always, if you'd like to reach the program, and I don't mean on the phone or Skype, if you'd like to leave a comment, go to RichieAllen.co.uk, comment live. That's how you do it. I don't even think you need to register. Or maybe I'm wrong. Just leave a comment there and I'll read them out as we go along. Tuesday it is the 22nd of March 2022. Tis me self with you. Who else would it be? Eleanor sent me an interesting email this morning. Thanks, Eleanor. And I'm glad I saw this. And when I say that, a lot of emails come through the website. I don't see every one of them. But sometimes I see them and it's good... She says, Richie, listening to Monday's programme, you said that fuel might reach, petrol might reach £2 a litre. I live on the Isle of Arran, says Eleanor, and it's already £2.15.5 for diesel. We have no alternative except going to the mainland, but the ferries are a complete disaster, so you can't even do that, says Eleanor. I remember years ago David Icke saying the the plan was to clear the countryside and I thought, nah, that will never happen. However, now a two-bedroomed house costs £300,000 here and there is a waiting list with a couple of hundred people on it for social housing. It's becoming much harder to live here. There isn't any private rental market as the houses are used for holiday lets and Airbnb. We can't even get teachers here, as they have nowhere to live. Looks like another thing that Ike was dead right on, says Eleanor, and then sends some nice words to to us, to the listeners, to you, to me, and uh, to my other half. Thanks, Eleanor. Isn't that interesting, isn't it? Isn't it depressing? We, we'll talk a little bit about that, the cost of living with uh, David Curtin, when David joins me in around about 25, 26 minutes' time. The second day of the week, Tuesday, or is it the third day? I was going to say something. I thought it was clever, but I'll have to revise it now. The week begins on Sunday, doesn't it? So it wouldn't make a difference. The second day of the week, the 22nd day of the month in the year 2022. Numerologists like that sort of thing, but... Today isn't the second day of the week. I've corrected myself. Anyway, how are you? All right at the back. Good. Good stuff. Pipe down now. This is interesting. I can't get into it in any great depth. I tried to get some comment on it. I found it difficult. City and Islington College in London. David will be interested in this because, of course, his teaching background. Uh, City and Islington College for secondary school students has brought in airport-type security checks for pupils. And the pupils are none too happy about that. As many as 200 students walked out, basically went on strike and said, no, we're not going to be treated like that. Uh, The college has said, hey, listen, knife crime is on the rise in the capital. We have to take extreme measures to deal with an extreme problem. The students are saying no. We'll ask David about that. Horrible story about a 17-month-old girl who was killed by a dog in Merseyside. That's getting a lot of coverage today. Dreadful story. I can't imagine that. You know, it's easy to pile in on the family who must be absolutely devastated about, you know, not taking care with a dog around a child. It's easy to be judgmental. I suppose it could happen to anybody. Dreadful, dreadful story. A lot of coverage of it. I suppose it's a cautionary tale, maybe. Because since the scamdemic, since the first lockdown, we know, because we meet a lot of people, a lot of people who never had dogs in their lives now have dogs or a dog in their lives. And it's obvious that most of them don't have a scooby-doo what it is they are doing. Now, happily, that won't matter for the ones who choose to keep their dogs. They'll fumble their way through it. The dog will suddenly turn two and a half or three years old and he or she will begin to calm down. Lots of them will give the dogs away or send them to shelters. But others are maybe bringing dogs into their homes and they're not really, you know, educated really on the behavioural traits of said dog. Be careful. I've never done that before. (laughs) Public service stuff. But be careful. Horrible story. God love the family. Um, Most of the remaining COVID restrictions in the UK will supposedly end this coming Monday. Now, the Welsh government has said, well, we might uh, keep some rules in place, and well, uh, Scotland is keeping face mask rules in place for now. That's what's happening. Uh, Mark Drakeford, the First Minister of Wales, said that uh, rising case levels may mean the Welsh Government faces a challenging decision about whether to drop measures next Monday, right? So this is, lot, again, a lot of this today. Why? Well, because it was announced that there were 100,000 cases a day over the weekend. 100,000 cases of so-called Omicron 2, BA something, BA12 or something. I can't remember. I should have written it down. (laughs) In fact, I can can get it pretty quickly. But there's a variant of Omicron itself. That's on the rise. 100,000 cases. And we need to be very, very concerned. Says who? Says a woman called Sarah Pitt. She is a virologist, a professor of virology at Brighton University. Here she is on BBC Radio 5 Live with Rick Edwards and... You will hear Rick Edwards first. And th- this is down, we
3: think, to the fact that this new variant um, of Omicron, the BA2, is more infectious.
4: Yes, I think it's a combination of the fact that people aren't taking all the measures that we would need to stop the spread of COVID in general. But also this BA2 version of Omicron, on average, somebody with that infection will infect
0: 10 to 12 other people. Right, he, he should have stopped her straight away. Little little Broadcasting 101, dear listener. <laughs> right, little bit of Broadcasting 101. Unlike others who offer courses in media training, not going to mention any names, um, w- w- when I give you a tip... It might be worth paying attention to if you're going to do your own shows, your own podcasts, right? He says arrogantly. I'm not being arrogant. Listen, she made an extraordinary statement there and Rick Edwards allows her to carry on that someone infected with BA2 is likely to go and give it to nine or ten people. Really? You have to challenge this stuff, you know.
4: On average, somebody with that infection will
0: infect 10 to 12 other people. 10 to 12, she says. 10 to 12, right. I was listening. I made a mistake, ironically. 10 to 12, right. How do you know that, Professor Sarah Pitt? No, he doesn't. He doesn't say that. Right. Right, he says. (laughs)
4: that in mind, compare that with the original Wuhan strain, where that number was two to three. And that was pretty bad, wasn't it? Mm. As, as we saw it happen in March.
0: When these people tell lies, I have noticed and I have asked a behavioural psychologist this question. A behavioural psychologist, someone I've known for many years, but who cannot come on this programme. for Not, not because they'd be ashamed to be on the programme with me, but they can't come on. This is common when lying through their teeth. These people giggle inexplicably. They're like Doctor Doctor Hibbert on, on The Simpsons. Uh, that number was two to three, and that was pretty bad, wasn't it? <laughs>
4: that was pretty bad, wasn't it? The first uh, wave, mm. as as we saw it happen in March two years ago. So it's super, super, super. Super, I can't tell you how many supers infectious.
0: She can't tell us how many supers.
4: It's really, really infectious. <laughs> so it's really easy to pick it up. And you know that, um, that plenty of people, maybe a
0: third, maybe even half if you've had the vaccine. Maybe three quarters, maybe four fifths, maybe nine tenths, maybe. Just keep making it up, love. People who
4: have active infection are infectious to others, don't have any symptoms. They don't know they've
0: got it. Maybe even half the people, who are infectious to others, don't have any symptoms because they don't know they've got it. They are a walking, talking, spitting, kissing, farting, shitting, eating, drinking, biological bomb. And they are unaware of it. But because we are um, not taking as much care as we
4: have been doing, the opportunities for the virus to spread around are there. And what we're also seeing is the numbers are increasing in the older age groups, the over 75s.
0: He has no intention, this guy, Rick Edwards, who did children's television and then did young adult television. He's not a journalist. Of course he isn't. None of them are. This goon, this this goon, Rick Edwards, who took over from Nicky Campbell, I thought it couldn't get any worse than Nicky Campbell. But this absolute muppet they put in instead of Campbell, as Campbell has been moved to another slot, just refuses to interject. I mean, is he being paid by the word? Obviously not. And those are the ones who would have had their booster dose perhaps back
4: in November, mm. and that effect is starting to wear mm. off. Mm. And if they're go- going out and about, they're bumping into the virus more because more people have got
0: the virus, fewer people are- Just laugh again. Just burst out laughing when you are lying through your teeth. They're bumping into the virus more.
4: If they're going out and about, they're bumping into the virus more
0: because more people have got the virus, <laughs> and fewer people are taking precautions. Because more people have got the virus. How serious is this new BA2 infection again, doctor? So it's super, super, super... Super. super, I can't tell you
4: how many supers. I just
0: can't fucking tell you how many supers. I just can't tell you. M- I Most people can't tell you how many supers it is. So it's super, 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 super.
4: I can't tell you how many supers <laughs> infectious. <laughs> it's really, really infectious.
5: Hello. 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 So it's
4: super, super, super. Super, I can't tell you how many supers infectious. Mm. It's really, really infectious.
0: Well, if you say so, Sarah. Dr. Sarah Pitt, there. What does Rick say? M- most people, though, the good news is,
3: aren't really getting that sick, are they? Just reporting a, a, a bad cold. So, do we need to worry?
4: Um, The number of people who are going in hospital is going up quite considerably. People are still dying from it. And one of the things which is really important to remember is the reason most people are experiencing, um, as you say, bad, cold-type symptoms. And some people I know, normal, healthy adults who've had three doses of the vaccine have been pretty ill. It's not really like a head cold,
0: but nevertheless, Mm, Some people who have had three doses of the vaccine... Have been really ill. No.
4: Normal healthy adults who've had three doses of the vaccine
0: have been pretty ill. So they've had three doses of the vaccine and they've been really ill. I wonder do they regret having three doses of the vaccine? We'll come back to that. It's not really like a head cold, but
4: nevertheless, you know, it's not bad enough to get you into hospital. <sighs> the reason for that
0: Do you hear the dickhead in the background? Hmm. Hmm.
4: Is because the vaccine
0: He gets paid by the hm. Mm. That's another fifty quid in the account. Vaccine
4: changes the way the virus behaves inside your body.
0: Ah, the reason why you don't get sick is because the vaccine changes the way the virus behaves in your body. Bullshit, <coughs> anyway.
4: You've And if you're not sure about that, the only thing you've got to do is look at what's happening in Hong Kong at the moment.
0: And the- she goes on to say that in Hong Kong, well, they don't have many vaccines. They're, they haven't had much of a vaccine uptake, and that's why they're overwhelmed with the virus. But I don't believe that. I don't have any proof now that they're lying, I can't prove it. But I just don't believe
4: it. The vaccination rates are much, much lower than they are here. And there are health services kind of overwhelmed with a number of people who've very... Again,
0: another lie. I believe it to be a lie, I can't prove it, that the Hong Kong Health Service is overwhelmed. And when she says that, she finds it
4: funny. If you're not sure about that, the only thing you've got to do is look at what's happening in Hong Kong at the moment, where the vaccination rates are much, much lower than they are here. And there are health services kind of overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. With a number of people who are very seriously ill in the hospital. That's because they don't,
0: that's
4: because they don't have the vac, the Cover from the vaccination Mm -hmm. that um, we have here so it Mm -hmm. isn't the virus it's the vaccine Mm -hmm. and this new this Omicron version Mm -hmm. looks to be a bit nastier than Omicron 1.
0: Omicron 1.
4: Um, As I say it's making people really much sicker I think than Mm -hmm. um, than Omicron 1 so we shouldn't be complacent about that we shouldn't think oh it's fine because it's just a cold it really really
0: isn't. Anything to add Rick intrepid presenter anything you're BBC Rick You're on a pedestal. You're supposed to be one of the best presenters in the country. Anything to add? Understood.
3: Um, Understood. Thanks very much, Sarah. That's Dr. Sarah Pitt for just (laughs) at the University of Brighton.
0: No, fuck no am I asking any questions. God, no. You've just heard a propaganda political broadcaster for the the Great Reset. You've heard a party political broadcaster for the great reset. Yeah. And this new,
4: this Omicron version looks to be a bit nastier than Omicron 1.
0: Than Omicron 1. Um, oh, God. Shall we move on? People believe it, though. That's the thing. They believe it. Chaos, then. Joe Biden invoked the term New World Order, didn't he? And a number of newspapers thought that was the appropriate moment to denigrate, to mock, to deride, to chide so-called conspiracy theorists. They said, look at all the crazy conspiracy theorists going crazy just because Joe Biden said New World Order. But we're not stupid, are we, dear listener? Anyway, chaos, chaos, chaos. Food shortages looming because of the situation in Ukraine, the Russian invasion. You've heard the term breadbasket of the region, of the world because of the, I've given you the percentages previously of grain grown in that region between Ukraine and Russia. It's astronomical. It's about a third. Correct me, please. I've written about it, I've talked about it, but I've forgotten the figure off the top of my head, so help me out if you like. Anyway, it's very serious. And this protracted conflict, which is seemingly in a bit of a stalemate, and I'll talk about that in a moment, is leading to fears the United Nations, I know, take with a large pinch of salt anything said by the United Nations, I I hear you, but they're talking about catastrophe for global food supplies if things continue down the same path. Listen to Sky News business presenter Ian King today. He, I think, accurately sums up what might be coming if things don't change.
3: This is probably more fundamental for some of the poorer nations on earth Now, uh, the price of wheat shot up immediately after the invasion. It was trading prior to the invasion at around $8.80 a bushel. A bushel provides enough flour to produce 71-pound white loaves of bread, 91-pound wholemeal loaves of bread. But it shot up on by March the 8th to as much as $13 a bushel, so a big, big increase. It's currently settled down a bit, but right now it's still trading at around eight, $11.25 a bushel, so that is uh, getting on for a 25% increase on where it was prior to the war. Now, the reason for that is that Ukraine and Russia, prior to the war, accounted for around 30% of global wheat production... Now the problem is, as you said there, a lot of it is not getting out of Ukraine right now. According to the Reuters news agency there are around 100 foreign registered vessels trapped in Black Sea ports right now that can't get out of the country because of a blockade by Russian warships. And that potentially means that some $6 billion worth of grain, around 20 million tonnes, is not going to be able to reach its destination. Now to put that figure into context, Ukraine's total grain exports last year were worth some $27 billion. So this is a Big, big slug of uh, wheat exports. Now, you asked about uh, what it means for supermarket prices here. Well, it will considerably uh, send them higher. But the bigger danger, I think, is what it's going to mean for poorer parts of the world. There are a lot of countries around the world that depend very heavily on Ukraine for their wheat imports, particularly the likes of Turkey... Indonesia and a lot of countries in Africa, there are 18 African countries that get more than half of their wheat from Ukraine. These are the places that are likely to find shortages hitting them in fairly short order. It's a big problem in particular for Islamic countries because uh, the Ramadan uh, is only uh, 10 days away. Bread consumption during Ramadan rises by some 63%. Now, we heard this morning from the Iraqi government that they're down to less than three months' worth of uh, wheat stockpiling... In Egypt, the world's biggest importer of wheat, they're down to four months' worth. So they're going to try and have to source that grain from somewhere else. It's going to be very, very difficult for them to do so when prices are this high. Now, uh, some producers, the likes of Australia and Canada, they're shipping out more. But uh, in Canada's case in particular, they've been hit by a drought. So they don't necessarily have the extra grain to export.
0: Yeah, the timing of the Canadian drought, if you were a conspiracy theorist, the war has stalled. Allegedly. Why? Why hasn't Russia advanced? Listen, I have unequivocally condemned the war. I've used that term somewhere else today, haven't I? Tucker Carlson, yeah. um, And any war. Russia is wrong. Morally, Russia might be right in terms of NATO advancement, historical grievances with the West and the United States, with uh, with the UK, with France. Yes, of course. Nuance, I understand. But to roll into a country and to start killing people indiscriminately, which Russia has done, even if it tries not to. And, you know, the Russian generals, the ones we have heard from, because the, the legacy media is doing what it does. It is not deliberately not interviewing Russian military people, either retired or currently serving. Now, you might say, oh, Richie, when, when would that have ever happened? It has happened. It happened during the Iraq war, if you want to call it that. It happened during the Libyan no-fly zone war, if you want to call it that. It even happened during the Syrian crisis. It's not unheard of. And I know that Russian military people, retired and currently serving, would be standing by to speak to the BBC or Sky News to, to answer charges of genocide and to answer charges that the Russian military has targeted children and all of these other claims made against the Russian army. I don't know what the Russian army has and hasn't done specifically. You know, I don't, to to the minute detail, I don't know. But I know that it's fired on cities inside Ukraine and people have died. That's an abomination. But what's really going on? If I leave my own personal opinion out of it, my emotion out of it, and be absolutely outside of it, step outside of it and look in, why hasn't Russia advanced? Is it incapable? Is it more than capable? Is there something else going on? Was the intention to take Kiev from the beginning, or was there never any intention of taking the capital, Kyiv. Was the chaos that Ian King, who's a good business presenter, even though he works for Sky, was that chaos, the oil, gas, food crisis, was that the desired outcome here? For example, if if you're someone who believes that the Great Reset Agenda is a real thing and that its purpose is to plunge the population of the world into poverty to reset the world and the way people live well then it makes sense that the Russian army is not doing anything or not going as far as it could do and I'm glad it isn't because I don't like the idea of people being blown to pieces because that's what we are the proletariat, cannon fodder we always have been since Moses was in short trousers I don't like this, regardless of who's got the moral high ground historically And the Russians might have, historically. So is the agenda to push people into poverty? Is that ultimately what's going on in Ukraine? Is it all about chaos? Advancing that Great Reset agenda. Create a massive upheaval of people. Ian King said there, this is going to be devastating for Africa, Turkey, parts of Eastern Europe, parts of um, the Middle East, Well, it stands to reason that out of that might come a massive upheaval of people moving across the world to find some place to live where they can eat and be heated and have a job. Is that what's going on here? Let me know. Who's calling the shots in Russia? Why not finish it now and be done with it? Why the seeming why does it look like somebody has pressed the pause button? What are they waiting for? You tell me, RichieAllen.co.uk. We can talk about this in the second hour of the program. It's 01618182018. 01618182018. The Skype line is chat with Richie. That's all one word: chat with Richie. Tell me if I'm talking through my sphincter, as is often the case. Who's calling the shots? Is Putin in on it? Is he in on it under duress? Is it crazy to think that a tiny group of people could control geopolitical events like this? Is it madness, tantamount to madness, to think as I am thinking? What say you? We'll talk about this in the second hour. Before we do that, though, the teacher... The politician, the broadcaster, all-round good guy, David Curtin, will be with me in a few minutes' time. I love speaking with him. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about uh, the cost-of-living crisis. We'll, We'll get his thoughts on Nazanin Zagari Ratcliffe. That made me laugh. Today, did it make you laugh? You know, sometimes people say things on social media just for the crack, just for the laugh. And someone put a hashtag on Twitter. You know a hashtag is when you try to get people to use a hashtag to make uh, a post or to make a topic more like it, to make it become more interesting and to make it become more visible and to use that terrible word, viral. Somebody put a hashtag down. Hashtag sent her back. because, Because apparently Nazanin Zagari Ratcliffe came across as a bit ungrateful when giving a press conference with her husband yesterday. She wasn't too complimentary to the Tory government, current Tory government and the previous ones. I think she has a point. Uh, There are those who listen to this programme who don't believe that she was an innocent visitor to the country, visiting her family. That's fair enough too. Um, But I thought it was funny. Hashtag send her back. But you can't say anything anymore. That later on evolved into... Hashtag Ungrateful Cow, which is a bit more spicy. It's time for a song. Here's a Bonio and Frank Sinatra, I've Got You Under My Skin. David Curtin is next on your Richie Allen Show. Lovely to be with you on a balmy Tuesday from Super Salter.
5: For the sake of
0: 29 and a half minutes past five, five o'clock it is here in the UK. Frank Sinatra and Bono. 93 or 94, somewhere around then. It's a you Richie Allen show, live from Salford here in the UK, northwest of the UK, where, as I think I've told you already, it's absolutely gorgeous. My next guest is quickly in the last couple of years become a favourite of mine and yours. You love hearing from him. He is the founder and leader of the Heritage Party. He's uh, been a teacher in his time, a broadcaster, public speaker and a former member of the London Assembly. It is lovely to welcome back to the programme, David Curtin. David, welcome back. How are you?
2: Hi Richie, I'm well, thank you. Good to be here with you. You're
0: a good man, I'll tell you why, because I, I don't know your your personal imbibing habits, but if you are a guy who likes a cold draught beer, you might say to yourself, I could be better places now than sitting talking to Richie Allen on the radio. You're you're not too far from the capital. I'm sure you'd be you'd be you'd be time, your time would be better spent sitting outside next to the river. Well, you know, nursing a beer. For
2: birthday today. Oh, I didn't <laughs> know that.
0: Happy birthday.
2: <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. fantastic.
0: So you should be celebrating it, right? I, I won't waste too much more of your time. Happy birthday, mate. Thanks for Thank coming you. on. Before we get into Ukraine and, and, and other matters, and I'd love as, as a teacher to get your thoughts on the terms of reference of the COVID inquiry, and the former Children's Commissioner Anne Longfield is really, really annoyed that there's no mention of child or children. Uh, in the inquiry terms of reference, that's very important. We'll, we'll come to all of that. But I've got to ask you, we're hearing quite a bit of noise in the last couple of days about the COVID-B-A variant and 100,000 cases and hospitalizations rising. Should we be concerned?
2: No, I don't think we should be concerned. I mean, this is another virus. It's another variation of a virus, which happens naturally. As we know, we've gone through all of history with variations of viruses. They come and they go. They they rise up to a peak and they go down again. But, you know, of course, they're trying to talk up the number of cases again, which is based on the PCR test, which is flawed. You know, we can go over the same arguments again yeah. um, because, you know, it's, we know Kerry Mullins, the, uh, inventor of the PCR test said they should not be used for diagnosis. Uh, The lateral flow tests are pretty useless as well. I mean, you know, British teenagers have shown that they can give a positive result with lemon juice or Coca-Cola. So, you know, they're not going to be sort of so specific that they're just going to diagnose for this specific variant of SARS-CoV-2. And that's what
0: I meant. That's what I meant. Neither you nor I nor our listeners are remotely concerned about the variant. What I meant was, and I know you understood what I meant, is should we be concerned at what they might try to do with this?
2: Yeah, I, you know, I I think I'm less concerned about that now because there's been such a pushback, uh, you know, with Omicron. And now we've seen with the whole party gate scandal that came out just at the right time. It was like, you know, amazing um, that this came out just before they wanted to go into a fourth lockdown. We know that the people who are setting all of these restrictions and rules that they, they want to are not concerned in the light of the slightest themselves. I mean, so they were out partying. They were mingling together without social distancing and without masks in the height of lockdown when they were trying to make everybody else afraid of something. So I think there's much more awareness of that now. And I think there's many, many more people who would just say to them, look, stuff it. I've had it with this. Um, You know, we've seen through your hypocrisy. And, you know, a lot of normies uh, have have woken up to this. I mean, not fully woken up, but they understand that um, the fear mongering that's gone on on. So I'm less worried about that now. But you know, what what they've done instead, of course, is they've known this. And so they've started a war, you know, this is a war that's been sort of you know, manufactured in a way that's been cultivated by the people in the the global elites, you know, they've got a lot of these things, uh, potential conflicts around the world, which they can spark and stoke. And this one's been sparked just at the wrong time, because we could have just got back to normal. But then, you know, this is the next thing down the line to try to keep on with the uh, fear and the great reset and the control, uh, which has been going on for decades. Decades.
0: We'll come back to that in a minute because we're going to talk about that. But isn't it amazing? I'm a bit suspicious about the timing of an article in The Telegraph. You probably saw this. In Saturday's Telegraph, there was an astonishing article, very important article, uh, basically about a, about an Oxford University study, which reveals that from the beginning, the whole thing has been a scam. And by the whole thing, I mean the death Numbers. Here's the headline from Sarah Napton, her article on Saturday. COVID deaths, impossible to calculate as authorities used 14 different ways to record them. The number of people who have died from COVID in Britain during the pandemic is impossible to determine because of the inconsistent definitions of what is meant by a coronavirus death. And that article goes on, to quote Oxford University saying, "Making some incredible claims, you know, uh, among them that the, the, the official number, somewhere around 160,000 there or more, could be greatly, greatly, maybe 10 times exaggerated. And I'm suspicious this came out on Saturday in The Telegraph on Saturday, and nobody on, on U.K. television or radio yesterday gave a mention to this Oxford study
2: this is the time where they bury bad news or they bury stories which they don't want to get picked up very much I mean the Friday evening is another good time because everyone's gone home and they're going out uh, having a drink and they're not worried about what's in the the media cycle again so yeah it's um but again the story is things that people have been saying at the time over the last two years but accused of being a conspiracy theorist or a, a granny killer or something if they actually mention this but actually looked into the statistics and, and the way that they were calculated. But it was very obvious because uh, you know some of the doctors were not actually doing, um, you know, they, they, it says they, they were recording the deaths after a video. After uh, a video, yes. Which is how can you give an accurate um, assessment of the cause of death over video? You can't. And you know, most of the people who died of, of coronavirus, had COVID on their death certificates, were not given a post-mortem. I mean, you'd think if there was a pandemic and people wanted to know exactly what was going on, you'd post-mortem everybody. But they did the exact opposite of that. Nobody got a post-mortem. So nobody actually got a proper assessment by a coroner of what the cause of death was.
0: That's right. Let's um, close the book on the understatement of the year award for 2022. Let me read you Professor Carl Hennigan's response. Uh "Quote: This requires further investigation." End quote. That's <laughs> understatement of the year twenty twenty two. Give him the the statue. I mean, at the very least, this should. I look. I, I am sometimes prone to exaggeration, I'll be the first to admit that. But this should bring down governments, this stuff. I well,
2: should do, shouldn't it? And they should they should put a lot of government people in jail too and all the people behind the scenes that are making the decisions behind the government and all the media people who are pushing the narrative and some of the um, police officers who were enforcing the tyrannical rules which are put in place on the back of this. There should be a massive Nuremberg-style trial for, for those people. But it's Especially the top people who are pushing this. I mean, we really need some justice on this.
0: David Curtin is our guest. David, you mentioned, you know, the the the, the elite, whatever it looks like, it looks like whoever it is, whatever the organisations are that are pushing the world into this down down this dystopian road. Mm. I see the same thing as you do, and you said, you know, that this war comes along; it's perfect timing. I mentioned earlier on, you won't have heard this, but I was talking about the crises that come out of this war and how they will kind of expedite poverty everywhere around the world. And, you know, if you wanted to stretch your imagination a little bit, you could say, well, that's exactly what these elites want. They want, you know, mass poverty everywhere because the control of people becomes more easy. That being said, I think, and I think you probably agree, it's genuine. Russian tanks rolled into Ukraine and began shelling cities and people have died. And I find that absolutely abhorrent. But if I leave my personal opinion out of it, I'm flabbergasted at the you know the last few days, even the last week, where it seems to be kind of suspended. It seems to almost be just, you, you know, it's almost, somebody pressed the pause button as if, right, all this chaos is happening now. Uh, with the food, with the gas, with the oil, with the energy, the cost of living. Let's just kind of press the pause button on the military manoeuvres. And I don't get that. Am I wrong? Am I completely off on a tangent here? Is there some merit to what I'm saying? It doesn't feel right to me. How do you see it?
2: Uh, I mean, first of all, I'd say I wouldn't believe anything I hear in the Western mainstream media who talk this up and, you know, their narrative is... Putin is bad. Zelensky is good. I mean, there's mar- far more to it than that. I mean, y- you've got to look at the the other side and try to understand what they're doing. And he does have a rationale um, to try to protect the ethnic Russians in the Donbass area in eastern Ukraine. Um, but, you know, I'm looking at a lot of people on the ground who are outside of Western mainstream media and Russian media giving sort of independent accounts. And the um, uh, Clearly, the Russian side is is winning They're they're far superior in, in sort of the, the size of their army and their military technology. But they don't seem to want to hurt the Ukrainians as much, you know, they're trying to avoid civilian casualties as much as possible. Although there are civilian casualties, but their target mainly has been the Ukrainian military. And what you're not getting from the Western media, which I'm hearing from the sources is their main target, is the Ukrainian army about one hundred thousand soldiers who are now trapped in a pocket between the Donbass area and the sort of line that goes between um, Kharkov and the uh, and the, the sort of black sea um, they 've got them all trapped there and they're tightening the noose around them. But you know, that's there's no journalists in there to give, uh, you know, an independent account of what's going on. But that's just what I hear is that the strategy um, that is happening. So while we may not see any sort of movement, major movement in sort of the the columns of Russian tanks, and so on, uh, where the Western journalists are around Kiev and around Lvov in the West, there's lots happening in the east that we don't see.
0: Now, there will be those listening to the program who will say david there is video evidence um there is testimony that the russians you said they're they're trying to minimize civilian casualties but civi- civilian casualties are inevitable that's fair of you there are those who are making claims and i can't imagine they're all lying i know propaganda is 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 rife at the moment but there are those who say that civilians have been attacked in cars by Russian soldiers. There are those who say that Russians, the, the, the Russian military has bombed areas where they know that civilians have been hiding. Now, I will take your point that it's impossible to know who to believe at mm-hmm. a time like this, but I will also take the listeners' point when they say that, you know, they can't all be telling lies. You know, some of these stories we're hearing of Russians firing on civilians, they must be true, some of them. It's war. Ugly, horrible things happen in war. How would you respond to that? Yeah.
2: Yeah, they do. I mean, clearly, you know, there's military action. So there will be civilian casualties, you know, and it's the Ukrainian people are suffering because this has sort of been um, blown up into a war. Um, I mean, on the other side, you, you have uh, people saying, well, there's these Nazi battalions, the Azov battalion and so on, and they're firing on civilians because they want the propaganda uh, to show civilians dying and then blame it on the Russians. But you don't know who to believe no. in this situation because, you know, no one's really on the ground to see. Um, so, you know, it could be either um, case happening. But, you know, it's it's a horrible business that's going on. But um, it's a propaganda
0: you know, marathon in the UK. I know you watch as much, you consume as much media as I do. It's almost, um, in the last three weeks, it has been, if you take the BBC and Sky, if you isolate the BBC and Sky, and I pay a lot of attention to both of those, it's hour on hour, bringing people on, Ukrainian people seemingly, who've either escaped Ukraine or are still there, telling these very emotional, very human stories. Mm. And it's relentless by the BBC and by Sky. There's no end to this, this tugging on the heartstrings, the emotions of, you know, the British listeners. And absolutely nothing coming from the other side, nothing. You know, in terms of they're not bringing on former Russian military advisors or generals. And I know these people would come on. They're brazen. They'd be happy to come on and defend uh, Russia. It's dreadful. And then, of course, in amongst all of this, you had RT losing mm-hmm. its Ofcom licence. Now, I'm going to say this, David. I'm a fair man. I've liked a bit of RT from time to time, but I, I, I tended to see it as mainstream light. I wouldn't be its biggest fan. But I'm going to say this. After the invasion began... I was stunned, and I'm going to say stunned, by particularly RT.com, how it was putting, uh, it was writing about criticisms of Russia by the West. And alongside those articles, it was posting articles about the Kremlin response. And I thought that was pretty good. I mean, I thought that's exactly what you would expect from any news bureau. This is what one site says, this is what the other side says, and I was pretty amazed by that, knowing that it's state-controlled Russia. Um, but of course, I'm horrified, disgusted, saddened, and ultimately depressed that it's basically been kicked off of um, television here in the UK uh, in the way that it has been. I, I don't suppose, though, you were surprised, were you, that it was banned? <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's very disappointing, but I think people have been trying to get rid of RT and get them to lose their license for a long time. I, I even when I was sitting in the London Assembly, there was a one time there was a small debate on RT advertising on TFL um, tubes and buses and so on. Yeah, and the, basically the consensus, apart from me, was that you know they shouldn't have a license. It's Russian propaganda. They shouldn't be operating in the UK at all. So I mean that seemed to be the general view among Labour, Tory, every other other part apart from me. And yeah. I um, you know I've been a regular guest on RT over the last five or six years. And I've always found them to be very fair. You know, they'd have me on debates. They'd have someone with the opposite point of view. My view, they'd let us both speak. Um, they'd be quite impartial. I mean, some of the stuff on there is is, is junk. I mean, it's clearly, uh, you know, anti-American propaganda in some cases, but there's other shows which are very fair and very balanced. So you can kind of take your pick. But what was good about them is that they'd let everybody go on. And have a say and have their opinion, which is what you sort of hope that a, a television channel or a media outlet would do. But you that could choke. Seem to be what we've got left in the
0: UK now? No, you could choke on the irony of RT losing its license because it's a state propagandist. When we've <laughs> we've borne witness to the last two years, the relentless COVID nonsense and the not only the deplatforming of doctors and politicians like yourself and others. But the the, the demonising of those people, those learned people, I mean, your, your, your discipline is physics, isn't it, David? The chemistry. Chemistry, excuse me, chemistry. How are you? Yeah, and, and y- y- you know, what, you go on Twitter or, or somewhere and y- y- you make a point and it's based on your own academic skills and, you know, it's either deleted or you're booted off. i, I tell you what made me laugh hardest this year so far, the best laugh I've had, was when the Russian producer... Uh, jumped on the live TV show to criticise the Russian government and say that it's all lies, that this is a propaganda show. Fair enough, she did what she did. Uh, I nearly died laughing listening to BBC radio presenter Nikki Campbell applauding her for her courage. No sense of irony whatsoever with Campbell. Imagine <laughs> imagine Nikki back in March 2020, if you'd had the balls, either you or your colleagues, to say, I'm not reading this shit out. This is nonsense. <laughs> This is terrifying people. There's no need for it. But of course um, but of course, he didn't. Speaking of children, Anne Longfield is gutted, is angered. Not only uh, her, but us for them, uh, a parenting group, that the terms of reference for the COVID inquiry have been laid out. Uh, they will be discussed now, I believe, for the next few weeks before being finalised. And there doesn't appear to be any mention of children At all, in terms of the inquiry doesn't appear to be interested in the impact of measures on children. Again, are you surprised?
2: I, I mean, I think this whole thing is probably going to be a bit of a farce. I mean, it's it's almost like the Metropolitan Police investigating the Metropolitan Police, isn't it? Or, you know, the government investigating the government. I mean, you know, I don't have particularly high hopes that it's going to come out with, you know, uh, actually apportioning blame and saying this person's done something wrong, and they should be put before a court, um, you know, to make sure that this person never operates again uh, and, and does things to the nation that they've done before. I mean, it's going to be kind of very wishy-washy, I imagine, but which is why it is some of the things that are really, really important. Um, Children losing their education, the mental health issues among children, adults as well, but children especially. And the, the the basic socialization of a whole generation has been lost. I mean, terrible things I hear happening to kids who are just like not, they don't want to look at people's faces and, you know, it's, it's, uh, four and five-year-olds can't talk properly and, you know, in, in many cases because they've been shut away uh, you know not being with any of their friends or of their own age and you know to leave that out is just a, a you know massive omission uh hopefully it'll be put in if people you know have a chance to revise the the terms of the inquiry but um yeah it just says a lot that people aren't really thinking about this and don't particularly care uh, at the beginning of the process
0: it has whitewash written all over it. David Curtin is our guest, teacher, uh, broadcaster, politician, leader, and founder of the Heritage Party. You and I, over the last um couple of years, not often but occasionally, we've talked about race when there's been a story, um. Mm. I've never been one to, you know, to, to try and score points with my listeners by coming across as a nice guy because they know I'm not the nicest of guys anyway. I'm not the worst of guys, but I'm no saint, so I don't pretend to be. I'm absolutely shocked that that someone could say that they smelled cannabis off, off of a child and that the police could be called and that that child could be strip searched while the child is on her menstrual cycle. Mm. Now, how does something like that happen in 2022? That is monstrous. How could a police officer find themselves or himself or herself in the situation where they are demeaning and degrading a girl who obviously hasn't been named in such a way It's
2: despicable. It's deplorable. It's humiliation, and you know this is just one of a number of cases I've heard of people being strip searched by the police for no good reason at all. I mean, this is particularly heinous because it's a, it's a girl. She's 15 years old. You know, there there was an accusation, but there's no evidence for that. You know, anyone could make an accusation against anybody if they don't like them and to get them into trouble with the police. I mean, you hopefully they'd have a bit of common sense, but you. You know, um, it's, it's part of the, almost like the punish, the process is the punishment for, you know, in, in some of the the thinking of the police today, because, you know, if they, if they don't like you, they want to make an example out of you, they can just take you in, they can strip search you, and, that, you know, that's the right they have by law. But it, when there's, you know, not particularly good prima facie evidence or no prima facie evidence, I mean, which is... Absolutely wrong. So this kind of humiliation which is going on, it would count, I think, as a cruel and unusual punishment uh, under the European Convention of Human Rights, which is something that's not supposed to happen. But because they're saying that it's part of the uh, evidence gathering process of the investigation, they can get away with it. But I mean, there's there's a number of cases where they've been taken to court for this kind of thing. They've been sued and they've lost their cases. So um, I mean, this is this is absolutely awful. And you know, um, yeah, you know, we shouldn't comment on live cases, but you know, no. I, I, you think I know? <laughs> Everyone would understand you know where where my sympathies lie with this um, this terrible thing.
0: No doubt. Again, as a teacher. Um could it be motivated by racism i mean you've always been very mm-hmm. you know as long as i've been watching you and listening to you you've always been i think very cerebral and i i use the term cerebral in a really in a really you know good way when it comes mm-hmm. to speaking about these things not jumping in there and assuming that it's always down to prejudice but but maybe it is this time maybe it is maybe there are people wearing uniform and they see black boys and black girls and they think they think less of them maybe
2: well i mean the, there is the case that in london the majority of violent crimes are committed by black people um you know particularly young black men and it's way out of proportion to their um their appearance in the population i mean what's what seven percent uh you know young (laughs) uh, black people and but then sort of the the prevalence of, of knife crime and violent crime is much much higher than that so you know i think that um you do need to target groups that are uh, where crime is more prevalent in order to try to fight crime and cut crime. So, you know, if you're doing stop and search, for example, I mean, there's no point in um, picking up a an old granny, you know, because she's not likely to be doing anything. But, you know, someone uh, looks like they might be carrying a knife, you know, it's hard to say it it's more likely to be a young black man than anybody else. I mean, particularly in London, that's just the reality of the case. Here is a is a schoolgirl, she's black, she's 15 years old. Uh, in this case, I don't know if it was, a, you know, a racist incident by the police. I, I don't know. I doubt it. Um, that would have to be proven. But, you know, I mean, I don't know why they, they even thought they were going to do this, um, you know, to this this girl. Um, you know, the mind boggles what on earth they were thinking about.
0: As as an educated, bright, articulate and very well briefed black gentleman, maybe in the future we'll try and spend a bit of time on that subject. Why are young black men in London, you know, more likely to be caught up in violence and stuff like that? What are the reasons? around it. People try to make it very simplistic, I think, at times. They talk about lack of opportunity, they talk about poverty, and that might very well be true. You know, as as a lefty, which I am, you know, that's what I would be inclined to jump to, you know, that opportunities are not there, that there are issues. Um, but your take on that, that's something, it, we, you know, with your permission, we might explore... In the future, we could make a good programme and get some good people on to uh, to talk about it. Finally yeah. today, on this, the day of your birthday, <laughs> uh, March 22nd, David Curtin's birthday today, by the way. Uh, happy birthday again, my friend. Um, are we losing our sense of humour here in the UK? I thought the hashtag trending today on Twitter, send her back, was was very funny about uh, Nazanin Zagari Ratcliffe. Uh, I can't imagine she's had a good time of it in the last six years. She she comes across as a lovely lady. She's an attractive, bright lady. Her husband, I think, has done an amazing job uh, Mm. keeping her case in the media the last few years. Um, I'm not convinced that she was doing any spying at all. I'm not convinced of it. Others are. Um, And, you know, thank God she's back and all the best to her. But what's happened to her sense of humour? Send her back is funny. But um, we get the pile-ins again, the accusations of misogyny, of hatred and all this crap. (laughs) Where's the sense of humour gone?
2: This is ridiculous, isn't it? If you make a little bit of a joke about someone, yeah. and instantly it comes out. Oh, misogynist! <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you know, you've got to have a bit of a laugh about things. I mean, but I was shocked with this woman. I thought I've, I've really hoped that she would come back. You know, it was terrible her being stuck in a, an Iranian yeah. prison. She comes back and she looks like you know, she's um, just walked out of uh, Harrods and uh, and she's with all the Labour Party people and she seems to be, you know, um, having a go at the British government. Yeah, I don't support Johnson and that lot at no, all. No, I know you they don't. They have yeah. tried to, to bring her back, uh, and it's a bit of a shocker that she's having a go at them rather than the Iranian regime that stuck her in a bit of a prison uh, for That's very. Uh, that's,
0: that's an interesting observation, and it's it's one that's well made, I think, because I did notice that she was asked a couple of times about how her captors Treated her. I think one journalist asked, you know, did anybody lend you a hand there? And she flatly refused to answer any of those questions. Now that could well be because she signed a deal with with a newspaper or with a publisher to, uh, you know, to to tell her story. Fair enough. But yeah, look, I understand that. I understand that. If if you're a Conservative Party supporter, you might be a bit miffed that she doesn't sound as gracious as maybe as maybe she might do. But um. But I thought the hashtag was hilarious. Send her back. Yeah. It, it got, it got, listen, then um, happy birthday. Will you have something? You know, but with, with a bit of strength to it. Will you have something later on? Will you have a beer? I, I think I might
2: have something a bit stronger than beer. Good might man. Be
0: very- <laughs> Good man. You know the only when when, when I lived in London um, near near Wembley Stadium, you will probably be aware. In Brent, there are a lot of uh, Windrush people around there, mm. and. Um, there was a group of gentlemen, lovely gentlemen, who used to play dominoes at the only half decent pub in in Wembley. I think it's called the Moon or Moon Under the Water or something like that. Anyhow, and uh, they loved their Guinness. Uh, but I used to get great crack out of them because, um, like a lot of Caribbean gentlemen, they they ruin Guinness by putting black currant in the top, David. Oh
2: God! They're, oh dear! <laughs> like I can never scary. understand
0: it. It's like sacrilege. And they were like telling me to piss off and mind my own business. But uh, yeah, so you're you're not going to have a beer. You're going to have something a bit stronger. Uh, Thanks again for your time today. If I'd have known... It was your birthday. I wouldn't have um, bothered you today, but thanks so much, mate, for, for coming back on. The Heritage Party founder and leader, uh, teacher, broadcaster and a terrific public speaker, it is David Curtin. Thanks, David. Have a great night. And
2: Cheers. Bye. And bye
0: for now. Uh, top man, David Curtin there. The time is a minute to the top of the hour. Now, in a couple of minutes' time, I will be taking your telephone and Skype calls. That's if you want to call me. You mightn't want to call me, but if you do...
1: It's your call, Skype, chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus plus four four one six one eight one eight two zero one eight. 818 2018. Talk to Richie now.
0: I don't know what point I was making to David there about the, uh, the Caribbean <laughs> gentleman. It's not like every black gentleman or gentlewoman will put uh, black currant in Guinness, but they do. It is a, it is a Caribbean thing. Because I remember when we were we were in Spain, we were in Spain for some years, and as you know, the the oft mentioned El Frago ran a bar, and uh, from time to time we we would get some lads in there, uh, with um, with uh, Caribbean accents, let's say Jamaica, Barbados, and they loved the Guinness with a little drop of black currant in the top of it. You can't be doing that. Oh one six one eight one eight two zero one eight. Oh one six. Ashley, I'll do this again.
1: It's your call, Skype, chat with Richie, or call 0161-818-2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 161 818 44161-818-2018. Talk to Richie now.
0: Now, if we get a volume of calls, we might do. I am going to move them along. Let's talk Ukraine, maybe. Let's talk Nazan and Zagari Ratcliffe. Let's talk Guinness, poisoned by... by What did we call them? Cordials, yeah. Or whatever, I don't mind. Give me a shout. You have the numbers, you have the Skype line. Chat with Richie, let's chat. Let's chat. It's Tuesday's programme. March 22nd, 2022. This is ELO and Showdown. There is a wonderful sequence in the film Kingpin when Roy Munson... Is facing off against Ernie McCracken. That's Big Ern, Ernie McCracken, in the final of the Big Nevada. I don't know bowling ten pin bowling tournament. It's brilliant. Uh, taking your calls this hour. I gave you no notice whatsoever. I normally mention this much earlier in the day, but it's oh one six one eight one eight two zero one eight. If you're calling inside the UK, plus four four one six one. Eight one eight two zero one eight, but Skype the program at chat with Richie, R-I-C-H-I-E all one word, uh, that's chat with Richie. You can talk about anything. I'm sure you have your thoughts on Ukraine. You might want to talk about the cost of living crisis, the Great Reset. I understand that a number of pretty well known talk radio presenters in the UK today on different channels were laughing at or mocking the notion that Klaus Schwab, he of the great reset, Mr. Schwab, um, is anything other than a little old man who just runs a club. A lot of, a lot of taking down of people who, who want to talk about the great reset in the World Economic Forum. Anyway, uh, straight to the mobile phones. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Oh, hi, Richie. Good evening, sir. Can hear Ho- you, yeah, I can hear you loud and um, clear. Who Pete. am I speaking with?
6: Um, I'm Pete from uh, Bexhill, sleepy old Bexhill in East
0: Sussex. In East Sussex. You're very welcome, Pete. Welcome to the programme, um, pal. What would you like to say?
6: Uh, I'm an old git. <laughs> I'm 72, and I've known what's been going on for a long, long time.
0: How long? Take us back. Um,
6: since about the 80s, when... Uh, I was in Holland, and the riots were going on there. And then you see the Americans come in and taking control. And that was a Which,
0: that not, was that was a wake up call for you, was it?
6: It was. And then the um, the poll tax riot, where the police and it oh, was just put so it was like a police riot, really.
0: What do you mean by police and, riot, Pete?
6: Um, well. They had two marches. Well, the first one, which was pretty crazy. The S.B.G. went in afterwards, and they were dragging people out of pubs and just beating the people to pulp. Yeah, people who had nothing to do with the march at all.
0: And you'd never um, seen anything like that before—that level of violence by the police against citizens.
6: No, no. And then the following year, there was a the following march, and. um It was all lined up for for a riot. They had stones put along the streets. The police were there looking at their watches. I said, Well, it's nearly time to go now. And then they got their truncheons out and just went for the crowd. There were were alien provocateurs there with masks, throwing freaking through windows. You are kidding me, Pete.
0: You are kidding me. Hang on a second here. So, in the last couple of years, we've heard accusations. That some of the race riots in the United States were were set up to the point that large crates were brought in with weapons and stuff and stones and that sort of thing and you're saying that you saw this going on in the late nineteen eighties
6: yeah, yeah, wow. and we, funny enough we we as me and my miss were running along trying to avoid the police riot um we come across a motorbike which was on its side, leaking petrol, and I thought someone's going to put a, a match to that. And then, of course, that evening on the news, there was a picture from a van that was purposely put there to take the pictures of someone setting fire to it. It just
0: and you—you're you, not pulling my leg now. You actually witnessed, like, like yeah, carefully placed there. piles of stones ready for the agent provocateurs to come in and start throwing.
6: Yeah, yeah. Jesus. No, no doubt about it. And why do you and think that I was, Pete?
0: Was was that specifically so that it could be on the evening news, do you think?
6: Yeah, yeah, it was on the evening news. Because it know? was, right, yeah, it, fair enough.
0: <laughs> wow. You know,
6: it was crazy. It was crazy. And, of course, nine eleven and all that went on there
0: how interesting so, so prior to the riots in the 1980s in 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 the Netherlands and in the UK the poll tax riots you weren't somebody who'd be sitting around thinking there's some sort of global plan for everyone you're probably like I was but I, I mean I'm, I'm a little bit younger but it was this specific thing the the setting up of of television moments by staging riots and and genuine you know people getting their heads kicked in by the police that's what changed you and made you think there's something else going on
6: yeah definitely definitely and and now all i can see is like what they're doing to people is remember that torture death by a thousand cuts i think that's what's going to happen here
0: you mean by like we've had the covid and now we have the food shortage Possible food shortages to come. We have the gas. When
6: when people can't afford to eat, well, they're going to bloody die, aren't they?
0: Here's a question for you, my friend, in Sussex. In East Sussex. Could they push people too far? I used to wonder, Pete, that, you know, middle-income people, people who've always had enough and they could go on holiday and if the car broke down, they could afford to get it repaired. People who didn't know poverty... I always had a theory. Now I'm probably wrong, but my theory was that if you screw over those people, if you introduce them to poverty and to stress, maybe that might be a step too far by 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 the elites. What what do you think? Could they push people too far?
6: Well, I think people aren't prepared for what's going to happen, are they? They don't. They think the government's still there to look after us. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! But. Yeah. Uh, no, I think they're going to have mental breakdowns. It's going to just totally and utterly do their heads in.
0: And are you and your wife? Um, presuming you're, you're you're still together and all is well. No, we're not together. <laughs> you're not together. But, uh,
6: no, we're still we're we're still great friends.
0: <laughs> well, that's lovely. You're still great friends. Are you? You can't live with him. <laughs> you can't live with him. You can't kill him. As the old saying goes, no, no, we shouldn't say that. We'll be accused of misogyny. We can't have that. Now, are you knowing or feeling that this is coming? 72-year-old gentleman. um, Are you taking any steps at all to prepare for um,
6: this? I'm prepping a bit, but I realise that prepping is only going to prolong the agony, isn't it?
0: (laughs) Well, that sounds a bit fatalistic now, Pete.
6: (laughs) Well, I, I am that way now. Yeah. Just accept it. That's what's going to happen because it's reality, as far I'm You
0: sound like you've got a wicked sense of humour, anyway. I mean, what else, well, what, what else is there happen, really?
6: Yeah. <laughs> I'll I, I tell you how I, I look at things. I think I was born into this world and I'm here to experience as an observer and as a visitor. And we're all going to die in the end. So just enjoy it for what we can. And take out what it is. That's a and when we die, we're we're not going to die, are we? We're we're going to be reborn.
0: That's what I was going reborn to ask. Reborn
6: into another reality.
0: That's what I was going to ask when I when I jumped in there. I was going to ask. So for you, this is a you know it's a vehicle for a period of time. We leave it and we move on to somewhere else. So you've got that. So that's not. Yeah. Well, what, yeah. what
6: other what other way
0: can you look at it, really? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I share well, your, your 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 optimism. Well, my, my better half does, but I, I don't know what I believe about where where we go after I, after this. I
6: think you have to take some psychedelics, and take <laughs> mushrooms, and you will see that there are other realities. Oh yeah, waska,
0: maybe a little bit of that if I could stomach yeah. it. Yeah, that's, they, um,
6: changed my, they changed my life.
0: When when was Definitely. this? Was this post nineteen eighties now? The No, this
6: was um. Oh, that's a strange story. But being with my son, he's picking the mushrooms. We go into the woods. Marvelous. And we we find this different world completely.
0: Now tell me this. And so so your ex experience of the 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 so called magic mushrooms. This this even predates the eighties. Um, about the same time, really. Well, you see, maybe there weren't stones on the ground you saw. Maybe there were daisies. No, maybe they were, no, I'm, no, taking pace. I'm taking the piss, I'm taking the pace. No, that was a stupid. That was the obvious <laughs> gag to make. No, no, I don't. I don't mean that. <laughs> it was the obvious gag. <laughs> so, so when you, so when I'm going to stay with this for a couple of minutes before I take my next call. So, when you say psychedelic and you say experiences, what do you experience? Do you, is it other planes, other dimensions? What do you see? I'd love yeah, to know. Would,
6: um, maybe maybe a dimension that was a parallel. Now Odell will dimension that we can't see with our senses, right um, yeah, yeah I saw the, the, the whole of the sky in a grid pattern, which I thought was pretty weird a grid Different pattern colors. wow yeah
0: so so you you so um, so that could be hologram related then maybe,
6: well, maybe yeah, yeah, and uh when I think of all like the wild animals that we got and, and what they can see. They can see things that we can't see. Dogs can see smell things that we can't smell. They've got so many senses that we haven't. And our senses aren't developed enough to be able to see through the reality that we naturally expect with our, our five senses.
0: And when and when you have the psychedelic experience, you, you, you manage to reach some of those senses that maybe... That animals have are the are the experiences themselves. Do they feel safe, Pete? Do they feel natural, and are they, for want of a better word, enjoyable experiences?
6: Well, I, I found it enjoyable. I don't think you would have found it enjoyable if you were sitting in front of a television or something. Right. But to be out in the wilds sort of the countryside and the woods is uh, the way to do it. I think.
0: And what do you do? Do you, so, so you find the mushrooms and do you have to cook them or do are they eaten raw? Uh,
6: well, we ate these raw with a cheese sandwich.
0: <laughs> with a cheese sandwich, fantastic. Maybe uh, it's the cheese. Yeah, but, no, no, all, all joking but, aside, that that is, you've stunned me. I never know what I'm going to hear. Uh, um, but you,
6: you do have a good puke afterwards and that's to sort of, uh, get rid of all the toxins in your body. And then your body go comes pretty strange, feels strange all over your skin. Like,
0: well, you've just talked me and out then, of it, Pete, because I'm a massive coward. Me, so once you mentioned the puking <laughs> and the feeling a bit, this, I'm not having it, Pete. So I, I probably never have the experience unless somebody can guarantee I won't puke. Absolutely fascinating. So, is this something that happens regular or every few weeks or every couple of months? Or,
6: um, I think we've done it about three times, three or four times. Well, In God, total.
0: Wow. Tell you what, Pete, I'm I'm getting more calls. I'm fascinated now. Will anybody pick up the, the <laughs> baton from from Pete on this? Well,
6: it was, it was really great to listen to you all the time, Richard, because it helps to keep us all sane, doesn't it? It's and nice and to uh, have
0: a place for us to have a chat, isn't it? Um, it know, is not it you know, During the week, oh, so well, I'll, I'll give you that. I'm
6: just amazed I got through, and I'm just... Uh, of excitement
0: now. <laughs> well, I'm delighted you did. It's um, a brilliant call and you've opened up uh, an avenue of discussion. I hope people will pick it up because it's not an experience I have. My old pal David did the ayahuasca thing. We've, we've heard Max on the programme before talk about doing um, psychedelics as well and how um, revealing those um, experiences were. I've never experienced anything like it. But um, brilliant, Pete. Thanks so much for calling in, mate. Really great to meet you.
6: Okay, well, people have been taking them for thousands and thousands of years, haven't they?
0: So, so, so we read, yeah, going back to ancient Abyssinia, going way back, before then <laughs> even, yeah. Right, Pete, we're going to see if we get any, any take-up on one this. one
6: other thing, one other thing, one other thing. Go on, go ahead. Um, with uh, Adam and Eve and uh, the fruit that shouldn't have been eaten.
0: There's a gag here. The,
6: they say was the apple. Yeah. Well, I, I can't across a heroin dealer one time who said that uh, he would never touch the mushrooms because the mushroom the uh, forbidden fruit in the bible was a, a, a fruit that was not green and he written to say it
0: was the mushroom. All right, So the that fruit of knowledge. So that Bible story we were brought up on, Adam <laughs> taking the apple, or was it Eve? Eve took the apple, didn't she? Was it Eve got yeah, blamed for yeah. it? Eve got blamed, yes. Yeah, always the woman. Uh, but it mightn't have the been fruit. an apple. It might have been a magic mushroom.
6: The fruit of knowledge.
0: Wow. Pete, you're brilliant. Lovely to hear from you. Pete in East Sussex there. Thanks for the call, mate. What a call that was. Um, I'm taking another call in now. Uh, We we are going to move them along, right? I, I know, I know, I know. Here are the details, by the way.
1: It's your call, Skype, chat with Richie, or call 0161-818-2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus four four one six one eight one eight two zero one eight. 818 44161-818-2018. Talk to Richie
0: now. I- I'm going to drop a name, my old pal Bez from the Happy Mondays. Must get Bez back on this programme again, he used to come on regularly enough. Um, Bez was no stranger to a psychedelic or two. We must get him on. Right. We're going to move him along quickly. Jerry. Welcome. How you doing, Jerry? Jerry. Hello, Jerry. Can you hear me? I'm connected to Jerry, but Jerry can't hear me. No, he's not there. Uh, so we'll try and get Jerry back, back to the mobile phones. Caller. Welcome to the program. Who am I speaking with? Hello, Richie. Hello. Who am I speaking with? Hi, it's Conan here in Edinburgh. How you doing, Conan in Edinburgh? Welcome. Have we I spoken before?
7: No, I've never been on the show before.
0: Brilliant. First time caller. Conan, you're very welcome, pal. Are you going to take up the baton from Pete on the psychedelics, or are you going to take us somewhere else? I'm
7: going to take you somewhere else, I'm afraid. Somewhere a lot more depressing.
0: Not at all. On on, on you go, my friend. What would you like to say?
7: I'm in Scotland. Oh, and yeah. Will someone please come and help us. <laughs> That's
0: right, <laughs> Yes, you've your your first minister. Well, yeah, I don't know what to do- say. We're doomed. Do you think we it's a- Do you think it's likely that they're going to hang on to these restrictions from next week? Well, is, is that what's going to happen? I,
7: sorry, sorry to keep interrupting you. Um, I am. Um, I was actually quite happy that she kept it going another two weeks because more and more people are waking up now. She does not want this to end. She will never let this end.
0: I like that idea, yeah. The more it keeps going, the more people get enraged about it, the more, the more they're likely to have a think about it and, and maybe come to a different conclusion. By the way, don't be sorry for interrupting me. I was interrupting you. I just wanted oh. to make the point for listeners. Um, Conan is in Edinburgh and he's got Jimmy... Do you find that offensive when we call her Jimmy Cranky? Is that no. unfair? No, it isn't, okay. <laughs> Fair
7: I, find no, I find nothing offensive now No. when it comes to her. Yeah, what she's done to this country is absolutely disgusting. It's one of the most miserable places on earth. It's terrible.
0: Expand on that. Tell me about it being one of the most miserable places. Are you seeing it amongst people? You know, when you're out and about, is there an air of doom and gloom?
7: There is, to be honest. I I work in a warehouse and we had the mask. Well, I I was furloughed till August 2020 and I've been back since then. We have had the masks since then. And I, I lost it at work and went up to H.R. a couple of weeks ago. I said, we, "We can't keep doing this," because she kept the mass mandate. That was one of her few things, and the mass mandate they, the work agreed with me, and we, we got rid of it eventually. <laughs> so yesterday, everyone was very happy. <laughs> it was good to see people's faces again. There were people that had started after that had worked with us, probably for six months, that come in for Christmas and got kept on. I'd never seen their face. I didn't know what they looked like. And people were smiling. Everyone, it was just an air that it was, something was lifted and it was so lovely to see. And it's been, been very lonely up here to be one of the few people. I've been to the lots of protests. I've, um, I've basically, I was slightly concerned about all this but I was waiting to be proven, proved to me that there's a pandemic, a deadly pandemic we all need to be terrified of. And it never happened. So it's been very lonely up here to be one of the few voices. And I found your show during lockdown one. And I still beggars belief that I have to say lockdown one. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot believe we've yeah. had multiple lockdowns. Yeah. And people were very, very against me at work. And gradually, as it stuff started to come out, more and more people now are on my side and been talking to people and, but it's, uh, it's brutal up here. It's absolutely brutal.
0: Conan, when you said people were very, very against you early on, how bad did that get? Like, was that stressful?
7: It got it, very stressful. I mean, I would have shouting matches at work, and I'm not that kind of person. I'm not, I'm not, would never regard myself as an aggressive person. People would be at me going, basically, all oh, the conspiracy theorists, so you're a COVID denier. Why are you trying to link it to Holocaust denial? I've, n- <laughs> I've no idea. Um, I've my f- relationship with my friends has definitely changed forever because I, a lot of them have been quiet and a lot of them, anyone who's like an SNP person seems to take it very, very personally if you criticise our dear leader. It's like, it should never have come to this, but it, there's just an air here now. Do you, remember, do you remember the people, the SNP people that stood at the border with the flag saying yes. go home? Yeah. I yeah. mean, what, what, what kind of country has people that do that? And they think they're good people. There were, my,
0: there were people who, down down this way, who tried to block access to Brecon Beacons. Remember that? It wasn't just police. It was actual, it was locals. And you had similar things going on near Cornwall. Locals coming out telling people they weren't welcome. Some ex- some a- absolutely mind-boggling things went on. Back to Sturgeon. Mm. I got I got the impression, because obviously I followed her very closely, as much as I have done, Mark Drakeford, Boris Johnson, and for a while Arlene Foster, and and then, and I looked at um, Sturgeon. There's a kind of a maniacal glee to Sturgeon. Sturgeon looked like she was kind of getting off on wielding power over people. Uh, am I? Yeah. Is, is that a stretch? Now, look, you're probably inclined to agree with me, but maybe. Maybe I'm wrong, and if you think that, maybe you're wrong too. Maybe Sturgeon believes it, maybe. Maybe she believed that she was saving people's lives. I don't know. What, what do you think?
7: See, yeah, I mean, I always remember there was one, she did her daily um, briefings, and there was one as we were coming out of restrictions, so she had to explain how you could see people, and I, I used to watch them all, because I, I, I was like, there's something not right here. And I, I used to watch them all, and I watched this one. I think it might it would have been in somewhere in, in uh, summer 2020. It was so complicated, the distances you had to stand from people, where you could see them, how many groups of, like, households. I started laughing. <laughs> if, anyone, if anyone was watching this, you would have to record it, replay it back and take notes. It was six foot outside. Uh, No Uh, more than two households. It was insane. It was just insane to me. It was absolute insanity. No one, you couldn't do it without taking notes. That's when you had your
0: Frank Grimes moment, Uh, Conan. It sounds like you had your Frank Grimes moment. Frank Grimes was a character in The Simpsons. Oh, The Simpsons guy, yeah. You might remember. He's a nice guy and he does his job properly while all around him people are making mistakes that could cost thousands of lives and eventually the stupidity drives them insane temporarily and it sounds like you had your Frank Grimes moment, you can only be six feet apart you can't do this, you have to wash your hands you can only have two families all of that bullshit and you just lost it and laughed
7: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I was like, if anyone is watching this and actually paying attention
0: and taking notes, which I'm
7: sure there were people doing that here, the people did do that here (laughs) they've done everything They've, they've followed it to the letter. It was like um, at Christmas 2020, me and my girlfriend, because we live in the city centre, we've never had a, needed a car. So around end of October, I went, we should get a car because something's going to happen at Christmas and we're not going to be able to see, We all both our families are off in Aberdeen. I was like, we need to get a car because something's going to happen. And I'm so glad we did. And there was like articles about, oh, we're not going to have roadblocks. We're not going to have checkpoints. And I was like, well, the fact you're having to say that yeah. in, a, in a country like Scotland is terrifying.
6: Yeah.
7: And um, we, to, we, we went up to, our, we had the best Christmas ever, actually. We had Because of um, COVID restrictions, my girlfriend's in retail. She was able to take board. She was basically off till April 21. So she was able to see her family for ages. She normally's back to work before New Year. So we just ignored it.
0: Great, so it sounds like she and, and you were on the same page anyway, which was obviously very yeah, important. Yeah, yeah.
7: And that was really good. It was kind of, we supported each other, because we live in a very small flat, so it was quite, furlough was quite bad, but we've got, um, like, the meadows, I don't know if you know that in Edinburgh, but it's like a big park, and that was another thing, so you, when you got your one-hour <laughs> exercise a day, which is, I mean, are, are you hearing this? It sounds, people have forgotten this now.
0: Do you that This is a really interesting point you're making. Do you think that people have, because it was traumatic, even for those mm. who believed in it, like if you believed in COVID and, and, and the pandemic, that was still traumatic. That's a great point you're making. Maybe people have kind of divested themselves of the horrifying experiences of being told, you've only got an hour out. You can't see this person. You can't see that person. Don't hug your granny. You you think they've maybe <laughs> mentally moved on and forgotten the horrors? Oh of yeah, that. yeah, right. I
7: do actually. I do. I, I think people that it you have to remind them. It's like they told you you couldn't go and visit your own family in their private houses. You, you and they're like, oh yeah yeah yeah, and it's like yeah, but oh Ukraine, it's a lot worse than that. I know anyway. Ukraine. Can yeah, I ask you this right.
0: question, uh, Conan, before I take another call, because time is against me today. Of course. Lovely to meet you. Can I ask you this? Mm-hmm. Do, do you see another March 2020 in our foreseeable future? Will they, will they try this again, do you reckon? Oh,
7: what I would say about that is, when I was at work in early March 2020, and Italy was being locked down, I said, I said to people, I was, if we do a lockdown, we're in big trouble because once you have a lockdown, we live in a lockdown world, and that exists. That was my main point. We can't live in a lockdown world. You cannot lock up healthy people, and there's more stuff coming out now where actually people were restricting their movements just um, on a personal level because they could they knew about risk. But once you enforce it, it becomes a thing that people know about, and people and the people that try to make it fun by Oh, this big banana bread, and let's do Joe wick and all this. Yeah, yeah. They humanised it, so it will, we will definitely have another lockdown. It will always, because it exists as a thing. It's a it, we had it, so we'll do it again. Maybe climate lockdown.
0: Best to look for the the future. Stay in touch. By the way, Conan, lovely to meet with you. I'm glad you found the programme. Um, a couple Thank of years you, yeah. ago, and thanks for listening to it.
7: Okay. Have- Thank you very much for the show. All the best. You're welcome, mate. Lovely
0: to hear from Conan there in Edinburgh. Brilliant call. He made some brilliant points there. Really interesting to think that people might have forgotten this. You know, not forgotten it, but they might have just kind of kicked out of their minds uh, the idea um, that, um, say it for me, they might have kicked out of their minds or put out of their minds the idea that, not the idea, the experience of being told what you can and can't do, you've got an hour out, you can't do this, you can't do that. That's fascinating. I lost the power of speech there momentarily.
1: It's your call, Skype, chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus plus four four one six one eight one eight two zero one eight. 818 2018. Talk to Richie
0: now. Right, got some more calls coming. I'm going to take another three, four calls before seven o'clock. I promise you. Yvonne is on the line. Hello, Yvonne. Hello. It's How been uh, my
8: real name. Oh my god! The I blockchain know. Chain just blocked me in. I know, but there's so
0: 77 lot. million people called Yvonne, and that's just in Dublin. So, <laughs> so it could be anyone. Now, it's been a while since 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 um since you were on. You were taken. Welcome back, by the way. You were taken you. by what Pete said about the old psychedelics. Over to you.
8: Yes. Yes. I've I've never tried it myself. Uh, I did actually uh, buy some mushrooms in Amsterdam one time for a friend of mine who was coming from Ireland. Apparently the Irish do like that kind of stuff. Right. And he wanted to have a moment alone in the house, in a bedroom, and entertain himself with that. And he totally (laughs) swore by that. (laughs) Right. You know? Yeah. And uh, he's a very... uh, insightful, spiritual, however you want to put it, type of person, very deep thinking. Uh, He's the kind of guy that you talk to. And yeah, even though I might cry at a commercial, you know, that commercial that would come on that you haven't called your friend in 15 years. And then the guy sitting in the chair and the phone rings and uh, his friend calls. And, you know, it's like a tear jerk moment. I might cry at something like that, but I don't normally cry for anything else. But this guy, when you talk to him, with all his insights and everything that he's gained, um, will actually make you cry. Because he he can scratch into surfaces that you didn't think you had.
0: And you put this down to, seemingly, or it sounds like it, to his dallying with the psychedelics. Uh,
8: not maybe. just that. I just think that was like maybe, I don't know, a, a small part of how yeah. he... Came to his awareness.
0: Did you observe you know, him when he was on the psychedelics? Reading. Sorry to interrupt you, Eva. Did you observe him when he was on the psychedelics, when he was on the mushrooms? Uh,
8: I saw him in, like, the last stages of it as he was coming down off of it. Right. So I, you know, I I actually took some home with me, you know, that he had taken. But I was so careful, you know, like, slice it up into, you know, <laughs> tiny crumbs. <laughs> you know, because I... I You know, I don't mind a nice drinky, you know, drinky once in a while. Or I've had, you know, I've smoked a few things in my life, you know, just typical American grass. But, um, you know, that just, it's like halfway to shooting up heroin to me. Right. Well, I was (laughs) going to ask. I lose control. And I don't Right. Right.
0: I'm with you. And I was going to ask, right, do you think it's possible? Because I don't Mm -hmm. know if I do. Like, Pete's call was brilliant. And Pete's experiences were obviously real, um, but they also might be hallucinogenic, right? So I'm wondering, is it possible to take a substance where you do get some insight and you are projected to different dimensions? Now, I am i like to keep my water dry, so I don't think that's impossible. Um, but I'm not sure I think it's possible either, I don't know. Where are you? Do you think it's possible to, to achieve insights and to see beyond our reality by taking these plants and stuff. What do you think?
8: Um, I think there is a chance, but I don't think you should do it. Um, (laughs) I've always thought I would want to do this with a tour guide, you know, somebody who knows how these things are applied, what the proper dosage is, what we're trying to achieve, you know, kind of a setting that is, you know, supportive of finding out this type of thing. I don't believe that you should just do it like, ah, let's just pop a few of these puppies and see what happens. Right. I don't believe in that. And I also, I mean, many years ago, this is a li- little bit bizarre, but many years ago I read this and I wanted to investigate further on this. I, I read about how animals might see things differently in different dimensions and maybe partially in yours as well as theirs, which you cannot see, which could explain, for example, the thing about how a cat suddenly like, well, you know, you're sitting peacefully watching TV or reading a book and a cat will like jump around like crazy. Yes. Like they clearly saw something or a dog might prick his ears up and you don't notice a thing or pop his head up. You know, maybe they, maybe we see things. Reality is like seeing things through prisms, you know, we might see it through part of this side of the prism, and maybe they see it a little bit in that sense of the prism, and maybe these mushrooms give the ability to see things through a different prism, which may give us additional understanding or insight on something that we would not have recognized
0: otherwise uh, it's a brilliant explanation that beautifully put actually, and I mean oh, that thank you. beautifully put, and I love you, you you saying you know about the tour guide because that's that's i i 'm not calling you you 're not a coward i 'm a coward i 'd need the tour guide before i 'd even go near it. very quick uh, funny story before I take another call. Great to hear from you again i 'm sure thank we'll you. hear from you again in the future, but um, I might have told this on the on the show before it 's a true story. Back in the late 1980s, um, the, the rock band U2 were in, they're in Arizona. They're in the desert and they met with um, Native American people and they were given a, a psychedelic that is well known to Native American astral travellers, right? So mm-hmm. they gave it to them anyway. And The Edge, the guitar player, had more cojones than everybody else and took one of these psychedelics, went back to his room following day, he didn't look great, and the band and the management said, well, what was it like? And Edge said, um, I was given the understanding of the universe, what it is, where it came from, the key. And they laughed at him. And he said, yeah, of course he did. Uh, edge, you know, have a cup of coffee there, you know, sober up kind of a thing. And the Edge said, but ha ha, Yvonne, he said. This Paddy isn't stupid, he said. I... Have my He carried, like most uh, musicians, a little dictaphone in case he thought of a chord pattern or in case he thought of lyrics. He said, when I was given this information, he said, I recorded it onto my dictaphone. You can probably tell where this is going. Mm -hmm. And this is a true story. So he went to his room and he got it and he brought it back and he pressed play. And what came out of the machine was, oh, Jesus, this is fucking terrible. Oh, my God. I want to get sick. Honest to God, he felt he had some amazing experience. What he spoke into the tape machine was, "Oh my God, I'm going to throw up." True story. Mm. So you've poured yeah, I cold know. water now.
8: And and you know, I I don't know. Like I said, maybe it was unguided, and not. it's not because I'm totally afraid. It's just because I would want to get out of the get experience the of what you're supposed to get out get of it. Get the best you know? out of it. That I insight. Like
0: it. Yvonne, we'll talk again, no doubt. Thanks for that. Thank, uh, and you. Thank friend, you. And your friend. And I love
8: to all your all, all the callers and all the people listening. Well, thanks for saying and that. You, and
0: course. your friend sounds like he'd be a great fit on the program just saying that. Thanks very oh, much.
8: He would be. He's just a total normie. He's taken all his shots. I could not
0: believe it. After all that, he's taken his yep. shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep.
8: I think it's partially the travel. He had to go to Ireland back to see his father, who was terminally ill. Maybe that's part of it. So he was
0: coerced then, not because he wanted to take them. He's probably had to take more the More than likely, yes. yes. Well, well, thanks for that.
8: Anyway, greetings to everyone tonight.
0: Thanks, Yvonne, and you too. Lovely to hear from Yvonne then. Lovely. We're off to Austin in Texas. It's been about a year since we heard from Scottish John. How you doing, John? That's the worst attempt at a Scottish accent I've ever heard. Hey, national- catch yourself on there, buddy. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Music- you see, you can do it. Welcome back, pal. How is it looking there in Austin, in Texas? You well,
9: I just, I just dodged a tornado last night. It almost got us.
0: Walmart, did I see that today? Did I see people cowering? Not cowering, how dare I? Yeah. Sheltering in a Walmart. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Climate change, John. It's climate change.
9: Anyway, it's climate change. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, God, blimey, Richie. Uh, <laughs> every time I listen to Sunday Morning Melodies, I've got a bucket list that just grows and grows and grows. I was going to call in originally today and talk to you about spiritualism and then I heard Pete's call and then I heard Conan. Let me just let me just do something for Conan for a brief moment here and say, yes, I agree about Nicola Sturgeon. I had high hopes for her when she came on the scene, but nah, she's a piece of crap, utter piece of crap. But let's not be too down on it. You know Scotland's got a lot of things to be proud of and one of the things I'm most proud of is that we created the original song Amazing Grace. Now not a lot of people know that so I'll give you a quick I'll give you a quick sample of the first verse if that's okay yeah.
0: Well you are a singer so I will allow it. Go ahead. I
9: knew a girl called Gracie Plum. She was the best acrobat in the place. She could stand on one hand and kiss her bum. We called her Amazing Grace.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. You chastised me for calling Cranky Jimmy Cranky back in the day. I remember I that. I know
9: I did. I know I did, yes. But hey, we all learn it takes some of us longer than others, you know? No, I
0: took it in good spirit. Listen, it, it, I've been called misogynistic for saying it, but she does kind of resemble Jimmy Cranky.
9: Yeah, she's uh, <laughs> simple she's, a, she's a traitor, man. She's a traitor. Scotland's never going to see independence under her. In fact, I doubt that, uh, I don't know, can Scottish independence beat the one world government over the finish line? No,
0: because, that- because you are more than aware that Scotland, I shouldn't say Scotland because Scottish people are, are, are legion and there's several million of you and you'll all have different opinions. But what the, you know, the, the political uh, class would like to see happen is Scotland become independent and then give its independence to Brussels. Yeah. Pretty much. And then, and then, and then take billions of euro in loans from the European Central Bank, which you can never pay back. And then they will rape and pillage Scotland in a way that Longshanks could have only dreamed of.
9: Yeah. Yeah.
0: In my opinion,
9: I should say. Yeah. Anyway, let me, let me, I was, uh, as I say, I was going to talk to you about spiritualism, but when I heard Pete's call, I thought, yeah, I've got to chime in on that. Um, I remember that day the poll tax protest march took off. It took off from Kennington Park, which was quite near where I lived. And I took a walk down to Kennington Lane, and I was going to join it. But, Richie, the vibe coming off the people there, it was just, whoa. I changed my mind. I said, I'm going back home. Now, on the television news later that night, I remember them reporting it. And I saw the the one thing I remember vividly was a car had been set on fire on like the southeast corner of Trafalgar Square. And of course they were saying the rioters were this and the rioters were that. Now, a year or two later, I'm not exactly sure if it was one or two years later, but the government at the time, the Tories had brought out this, this law about how many people could meet in public. And there was a march organized against that. And I went on that march with my mate and, uh, we ended up in Hyde Park, but when we got to Hyde Park, there was a bunch of police there who didn't want to let us in the park, which they were, you know, eventually they let us in, and uh, we had speakers, and there was a couple of bands played, and then it was time to leave. Now, there's there's a fence all the way down the side of the park on Park Lane there, and every, like, 15, 20 feet or so, there's a gate, because a lot of, a lot of um, people who work in, in town come in by bus uh, commute by bus during the week and all the buses park up there in park lane. So we were, we were setting off to leave the park and the mounted police are there and they're saying, no, you can't leave there. You have to go down to the bottom of the park there to, to and people are saying, get to fuck it. We are not doing that. Yeah. And me and my mate, eventually we got out on park lane there and, walked across the road, and I could hear this noise coming from behind the Grosvenor Hotel there. And I took a walk up this wee side street, and Richie, I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw what I saw, mate. I'd never seen a Star Wars movie, but I saw about 200 cops all dressed like Darth Vader with their big shields and their big battens, banging these battens and stamping their feet, and I thought, you bastards. So, so, that- so like
0: Pete said, they, they came to beat people up.
9: Yep, they came to shut it up. Yeah,
0: and his his claim, uh, and um, he sounded he sounded like an honest bloke to me. I don't know why he'd lie about this. Uh, Pete in East Sussex. He said that. I mean, this is an amazing thing he said because it brought me right back to some of the accusations made against you know these Black Lives Matter protests. He said that there were neat piles of things to be tro- to be thrown that had been pre left there. Could you buy that, John? Hearing that from Oh,
9: he- yeah, I've I've seen the videos of that. Yeah, well, like like, yeah.
0: like 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 I mean, back back during in the poll tax protest.
9: Oh, that's, that's um, what he said.
0: He said this was going on in the eighties. That's what absolutely blew my mind. He said he saw these piles of stones, bricks, neatly placed, waiting for people to come along to pick them up to throw them. He said mm-hmm. he saw that in uh, in 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 eighty eight. Eighty nine, whatever it was, in London. That's what he said. He said he saw that. And if he's telling the truth, and why would he lie? Well, what we saw at Black Lives Matter. Well, they've been doing this for years then.
9: Yeah. Well, I, I as I said, I didn't actually take part in the in the poll tax march, so I didn't see that. But um, as it the, the one I went and we ended up in in Hyde Park, um, and I ended up getting out of the way pretty quick. So what what happened after I'd gone, I, I don't know. Um.
0: You said something else very interesting. You said that Mounted Police told a group of protesters, listen, you can't go this way, you've got to go that way. Yeah. And the protesters said, well, get to fuck, as you eloquently yeah. put it. Right, now, today, I'm amazed that people who go protesting in London, now I like these people, I'm not, I don't want to sound like I'm always criticising them, but they say they're exercising their democratic right to protest. But yet they allow themselves to be told where they can and cannot go by mounted police officers. It sounds like back in the eighties and early nineties, that people wouldn't have put up with being told where they had to protest. They no. went they went wherever they bloody well wanted to go.
9: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. And now you're told now you've got to get permission to protest. And you're yeah. told you've got to follow these police and walk after them and march in a parade down. That's not fucking freedom.
9: No. And as, I, as I've heard you say many a time, Richie, uh, this protesting nowadays, it does no good. You've got to hit these bastards where it hurts. And that's not hurting them, is it?
0: No. No, it isn't, John. Yeah. I'm glad you uh, avoided the worst of that um, tornado. But they look nasty. I mean, you would have seen these things on television yourself before you ended up living there. I've got to imagine that it's squeaky bum time when when, when when you're confronted by one of those. <laughs>
9: Well, do you know what? Do you know what's funny? When I first came here, I was working with a guy, and we were just out. We were just out of town, and uh, there was a tornado approaching, and uh, there was some kind of warning given out. Uh, and he he said, "Right, let's pack up and go." And I says, "Oh no, can I not wait and see the tornado?" <laughs> he says, "Fuck off, you idiot!"
0: <laughs> you might have ended up in the Emerald City. You might have. Oh, you, 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 mo- <laughs> you might have seen the Emperor. Who knows what's behind? The curtain. Great to catch up with you again, my friend. I'm going to try and take one more call before time is against us. Brilliant call, John. Scottish John. Uh, John used to give some brilliant phone calls into Alex Jones years ago on InfoWars. When InfoWars... You know, I still have a soft spot for Alex. Despite what he has become. (laughs) Despite where he ended up. I do have a soft spot for him. But his program back in the day, particularly when I used to interview him 10 or so years ago, was a very good program. And John used to phone in and, uh, you know, give him some fascinating insights and information. The time is 10 minutes. We've got five minutes to go. One more call, I think. We're going to the mobile phones. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Hi, Richie. It's Paddy. How you doing, Paddy? Where are you calling from? From Saddleworth. And I think we spoke before but a long time ago. It's not not Paddy the musician, is it? Yes. It's, it's me, Paddy. Yes. It's Fab Radio it's a very Paddy. Long time. Lovely to speak with you again, Paddy. How are you, pal?
5: Not too bad, mate. Not too bad at all. How are you?
0: I'm not too shabby at all, mate. Listen, what would you like to say? You better say it quick before we run out of time. Go ahead.
5: <laughs> yeah, I was just wondering kind of how many of the listeners, um, you know, who might be in hospitality are kind of, you know, quietly re shitting themselves at this point. Um You know, because obviously with the COVID situation, I lost my job and then had to take another job.
0: You're a working Uh, musician and a very good one. And you were always very busy. And then this nonsense happened and this screwed you and your bandmates right up big time.
5: Yeah, big time. Yeah and the, you know the family and everything we had to borrow for rent and all that stuff and
0: Jesus.
5: i did some online gigs but you couldn't really kind of rely on those donations to to see you right you know so I started, I started working for a brewery for a while but then that ended sort of in august last year and i went back health leather at the gigs and, and i was actually busier and busier than, than i was before which is kind of weird i had the busiest january I've, i think i've ever had
0: that's fantastic
5: up for the crack you know wanting to get out get back out there and stuff like that
0: kind of liberating kind of a thing going on so so it's going well but you're listening to this nonsense now about Omicron 2, the BA2 and all this shit and you're worried that there might yeah, be more I of mean,
5: this yeah there is There is that I mean I'm thinking more in terms of like the price hikes because like you know the fuel and everything which will only be going up for us for travelling and stuff like that but like you know it's the venues, the beer price of that you know and usually it's the entertainment's the first thing to go so or or, you know now we've finally got to a point where we're able to sort of start pulling our wages up you know we're going to start going back to like 2002 prices and shit like that you know that's what i'm worried about i'm not too worried about the covid thing i I know that i know you've mentioned before you don't know many people have had it but i did have it uh last year and it wasn't it wasn't that much fun uh i was in bed for like four or five days but I'm absolutely fine now. I I, I me like you is it, kind of skeptical about the long covid thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, but really but, but but like me you're, you're satisfied that covid might be or probably is real. And and can I ask you Paddy, yeah. it's you're listening to Paddy O'Hare by the way. Paddy's a very popular musician uh, and performer up in the northwest and elsewhere. Um good to have you back on Paddy. It's been ages. A couple of years okay, at also. least I reckon. Um so been chatting to Paddy about hospitality returning, venues, music returning. His concerns that if this happens again, it'll be devastating for people and their life prospects. No, no doubt about that. Just on the COVID thing, what was mm. different about you being unwell that you know that convinced you like this is COVID, it's not the flu?
5: Yeah, I mean, admittedly, not that the you know not that the tests have much stock, but. You know the the lateral flows. I did test positive with those, but it was just like it, I felt rough, kind of, for a couple of days, and then I just instantly was knackered. You know, and like I had to I had to get straight in bed, and and you know, did have a bit of a temperature, but the I think kind of a bit like you referenced it. It was like you're trying to clear your chest, but there's nothing to come out. Yeah. Um, uh, but that came later. It was like I, I just felt the drained and, and the heat first. And I thought, oh, God, this is this is awful, you know. Um, but I didn't feel too bad with the chest. But then kind of a two or three days in, that started then. And that's, then that's kind of you know, like altitude sickness, and, Paddy.
0: I'm, yeah, yeah. It's a bit yeah. like, I don't know. I, my I've only ever been...
5: Coughing fits.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, my only yeah. experience of serious altitude was on a school tour through the Alps in the nineteen eighties. And that's that's not serious altitude in the Alps. It isn't really no. Yeah,
5: but I've been up there. Yeah. You've been up
0: there. So you know what it's like to take a breath and not get a lot of oxygen. Like, you know, depending yeah. on how high up you are and it's kind of strange that. And I yeah. I found I found that in in January twenty twenty when I was really unwell. That's how I yeah. felt, yeah.
5: But I kept up, you know, I, since then I just kept up with the, you know, D three and you know CBD and uh, vitamin C, B12. You know I take all those every day. So and, and I've touched wood. You know I've been fine since.
0: Thank God for that. But, um, I've, we're we're just down. about out of time. Sadly, look, we'll do this again, mate. No doubt about that. I yeah. I p- put it out to the listeners. Look, we'll talk about it again tomorrow. The day after, we'll talk about it next week. You know the concerns that this might start again. I I obviously hope it doesn't. I don't know what's going to happen next, but I know that. Yeah. Bar owners, venue owners, musicians, singers like yourself, entertainers—it's obviously very worrying when you hear this shit, and and I hear that, and I hope it doesn't, it doesn't happen, pal.
5: But I mean, you know, I've got I've got my little website business on the side, which keeps ticking over, so it's not the whole affair. But if it goes, you know, I am in trouble. But before um, before I go, can I just hit you with a bit of positivity? Because I know that um, I know you're a bit of a film buff like me. And I don't even know that I'm kind of working on a, a little documentary. Um, so I just kind of want people to have a look at the website if they, if they feel like it.
0: Give us, give us the website details, but we've got 20 seconds. Go ahead, Paddy.
5: <coughs> it's called FindingFord.com.
0: And, and very briefly, what's it about?
5: It's a documentary of my lifelong fandom, being a geek of about Harrison
0: Ford, basically. About Harrison <laughs> Ford, Paddy is a If if you happen to be at a comic con anywhere in the northwest, you're going to bump into Paddy O'Hare. He's going to be <laughs> that's there. True. Yeah, He's going that's to true. be there. Uh, Findingford.com, dot like com it. is that right? Yes, yes. I'll tell you more about it. So Listen, well, that, yeah, when yeah. when it's when it's uh, give me a look at it. I'll watch it, and we we'll get you on to have a chat about it. Paddy, thanks for calling in, buddy. Great to hear from you. The great Paddy O'Hare, a very popular, well-liked entertainer in the northwest of the UK. That's it for uh, today's programme. Thanks to those of you who called in, to those who didn't get through. I'm sorry. We'll do a proper, full and proper phone-in next week. Thanks again to David Curtin for coming on in the first hour and happy birthday to David. Hope he has a good sup tonight and enjoys himself. Thanks to him. And thanks to you. That was uh, Tuesday's Richie Allen Show. Until tomorrow, bye.